morning and welcome again to Mosaic Community Church in Philadelphia. We are excited to have you with us. We are excited about the things that God is doing in our community as we uh, apply the Word of God to our context, right? We are um, living God's aspiration here and now and um, we're learning how to do that together. So we are this uh, mixed group of races and ethnicities and genders and orientations. And we have gathered together in this church uh, at, to enjoy each other, to reap the benefit of our collective community. And so our deepest desire is to help make the city of Philadelphia and the world a better place. It's already fantastic, but we want to add to that through our own contributions um, in bringing people together. And so we welcome you to be a part of this diverse community and to join us in seeing what God will do with all of us. Today in worship, we're going to focus on uh, continuing our sermon series entitled The Sum of Us, and uh, we're going to enjoy the Lord together. So pray with me, if you will. Our God, thank you so much for this day that's unlike any day that we've ever experienced. We want to see you. So Lord, help us to orient our minds and um, our attitudes so we're in a position to see you at work in the world, in our lives today. We bless you and we thank you that we can worship together. We ask that you would bless the service and everyone who participates in it, Lord, that we would give your name all praise and all the glory, all the honor that you deserve. We thank you for this day and we enjoy you and will continue to enjoy you here online, worshiping together. Be blessed, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together. Good morning, Mosaic. How are you? As I was thinking about and praying about how to facilitate prayer for the service this week, that was the question that was most forefront in my mind. Um, this week has been a lot to take in with the Chauvin trial verdict and the shooting of Micaiah Bryant. And for many of us, it may have been hard to deal with or process these things while still getting up and going to work, taking care of kids or cooking dinner, just doing the normal day-to-day -day things that we have to get done. And I had the, um, the grace of having several people in my life this week who took a moment to pause and to ask me, how are you doing? And to make safe space for honest conversation. And so I hope that's been the case for you too. Um, but if not, I encourage you to take time today to check in with yourself and to check in with other people around you. So maybe after the service, send them a text or call a friend or family member and um, ask them, how are you? How are you doing? Um, and uh, I think this morning that is the question, or I just felt like that was the question that God wanted to ask of us. Um, how are you? And I think God wants us to know that um, there's safe space for us to be honest when we answer that question when we come uh, before God. So um, this morning, I would like to invite you to bring that full authentic self to God's presence in this moment um, as we begin our service and to take a few um, centering breaths together in God's presence. Um, so 
We'll take a deep breath in, and then I invite you to exhale, and as you exhale, say, um, I am loved by God, just as a way to remind ourselves and anchor ourselves and center ourselves in the truth that no matter how you are, no matter what you're feeling um, today, um, that's true. You're loved by God, um, how you come and how you are this morning. So let's center ourselves through prayer. I am loved by God. I am loved by God. I am loved by God. Amen. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. And I give it all to you, God, trusting that you'll make something. Open, I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I
mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain, my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. And I give it all to you, God, trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. Not give it all to you, God, trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. This is a prayer from the Black Liturgies written by Cole Arthur Riley, and the words will be up on the screen for you if you want to read along um, to pray together. Shelter God, help us to trust the promise. There are times it feels like our present reality will always be. It becomes difficult to dream. Our imaginations for healing and health are far too small. Expand them, God, that we might grow the branches of hope into something we can cling on to without them buckling under the weight of our next tragedy. Let our dreaming be our rest a shade from the heat of the evils of this world, that our alienation and oppression would not resign us to the wilderness. Be who you say you are. If you are a stronghold, then keep the marginalized within the walls of your chest. If you are destroyer of the veil, come and let it fall from the eyes of those who do injustice and make death. And protect our dreaming, Lord, that as we wait for you, our hope would not be tarnished by our tears, but renewed, sacred glints of light in the darkness. Amen. You want to sing Take a Break, Daniel? Take a break. Take another, my brother. Hold on and never let go. Through 16. This is what the Lord says For three sins of Israel, even for four, I will not relent. They sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed. Father and son use the same girl and so profane my holy name. They lie down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge in the house of their God. They drink wine taken as fines. Yet I destroyed the Amorites before them, though they were tall as the cedars and as strong as the oaks. I destroyed their food above and their roots below. I brought you up out of Egypt and led you 40 years in the wilderness to give you the land of the Amorites. I also raised up prophets from among your children and Nazarites from among your youths. Is this not true, people of Israel, declares the Lord? But you made the Nazarites drink wine and command the prophets not to prophesy. 
Now then I will crush you. As a cart crushes when a load loaded with grain, the swift will not escape. The strong will not muster their strength and the warrior will not save his life. The archer will not stand his ground. The fleet-footed soldier will not get away and a horseman will not, will not save his life. Even the bravest warriors will flee naked on that day, declares the Lord. All right, um, today we um, continue uh, with my version of the introduction to the sum of us. I am so grateful that um, Parker was able to come to us and to share about the three chords of racism and the three chords of unity, uh, of community. And uh, we're going to use that as we continue to move forward. And thank you to everyone last week who dared to share what they learned from Begin Again. Um, and um, I just have so much respect for that and that we are growing and being uncomfortable and continuing to move forward in that. Um, when we let go of the things that were, we give opportunities for incredible things to happen. And as I said in the opening, I want to see God. I want to see God move in incredible ways and um, develop that sense of expectation within myself again and within our church um, uh, to see. Because we've been, you know, we've gone through a bunch of stuff and that stuff, the stuff of the pandemic and all the other stuff doesn't have to define us. We get to participate in defining ourselves according to God's aspiration. So let's, let's just jump into the servant sermon, um, the some of us. So, um, or today's sermon entitled, our struggle to be us. Um, far too many of us only glimpse at the American dream. We know that that dream means anyone, regardless of where they're born, what class they're born into, uh, can attain their own version of success in our society, in which upward mobility is possible for everyone. Yeah. Uh, that American dream thing. Um, the meaning is derived from like the American ideal, the idea or the ideal by which equality of opportunity is available to any and every American, allowing um, our highest aspirations and goals to be achieved. So if reaching our highest aspirations and goals was simply a matter of work ethic, black people and brown peoples of this country would be the wealthiest among us. We built this country. Free labor, minimum wages, our ingenuity and creativity helped, we helped to invent so many things that we continue to use to this day to help our society go forward. We help make our society go round. Far too many of these things were um, attributed to slave owners uh, or to the other folks who, who took the ideas from within the brown and black communities and, and, and took them for themselves, claimed ownership and right. So they got rich while those of us who were working hard and 
uh, struggling to eat and take care of our families and take care of other people's families uh, and worked hard jobs uh, on the railroads and in the plantations and on the farms and, and all these things and, and invented, you know, the cotton gin and invented the traffic light and laid out Washington DC and all these contributions that our people have made other folks got rich on them and we did not and we have that stigma that somehow we're lazy and that is like you know so clearly untrue the country wouldn't be here if that were true now what does all that have to do with the sermon about God on a Sunday morning well, um, I'm glad you asked me that. I have an answer for you. Uh, my answer is simply Jesus. The Bible covers uh, stories about God's interaction with us in life and our responses to those interactions, does it not? Yes, okay. So, the Incarnation was this huge, hairy, big, audacious deal. God entering life and living with us. God among us. So God entering a context and teaching us the very truths upon which God's relationship with God's self is founded. Is incredible so my answer to why am I talking about this the American dream my answer is Jesus God in the flesh forever human forever Jesus taught these truths in the context of an occupied territory the occupied territory of Judea in light of Jewish history and teaching about God and history right he, he did that. Jesus taught us that it is important through his actions, through his living, through those stories recorded in the Gospels, that it is important to understand and live God's word in the context in which you were living. So the American dream, America, as it hoped to be and the way it really is, this is our context. So I'm doing what Jesus did and taught us to do. God's word in a human context. You can't separate the two. Life takes place in a context. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the light. The, the life, sorry. I am the resurrection and I am the life. And that life takes place here. And so we take God and our context of living and... You know, hey. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Okay. I couldn't resist doing that. So uh, when I was typing it, writing it, I stopped right in the middle of what I was writing and saying. Um, so, back on point. Too many of us, us, only glimpse the American dream. Allowing our highest aspirations and goals to be achieved. Because there is not equality of opportunity in our country. If equality and opportunity is absent in the context in which we live, how do we fulfill the directives given 
us and taught us by God. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 through 26 says this. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every part enters the exuberance. So if one part hurts, if one part is oppressed and discriminated against and lied about and doesn't have equal opportunity, every part is involved in the hurt, in the oppression, in the discrimination, in the perpetuation of lies, in the lack of opportunity. We all get impacted. We're all stained by that. So every part has to be involved in the healing, in the restoration, in the same way that if you hurt your hand, your other hand would grab it, your feet would carry you to a doctor, your mind would tell you the things that you need to do to make this better. Every part has to contribute to the healing. So family, my desire is to speak the words of God in our context. So we might live out God's aspiration for humanity. To be fruitful, to prosper, and to do those things with sensitivity and intentionality. To be good in and to our world. That's what Jesus did. God's aspiration for humanity is repeated over and over again in Scripture. In Jesus' time, we, we see it in the 15th chapter of the Gospel of, of St. John when he talks about being the vine. And, and it's worded differently, but it is still the same principle of this is how you be prosper, abide in me. This is how you fill the earth, abide in me. And then we see it, if we look in the Old Testament, we see it in the story. After Noah came out of the ark, God told them again, be fruitful, multiply. And when the children of Israel were freed and rescued from slavery, God said it again. And so many times, this aspiration, this desire of God for God's creation is repeated. God has never changed God's mind about this. This is the aspiration for humanity given us by God. So I'm saying all of this in hopes to speak to a prevailing notion in our country, in people, even through generations in other countries, that God and the world should be separate. That, that God's intention was for God and the world to be separate. You know, that you have the religious or the sacred and you have the secular or the worldly. Um, that the, 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 the godly stuff is the good stuff and the worldly stuff is the bad stuff. Now, those are agnostic notions. That, you know, the closer you are to the earth, the more you are earthly and then you, as you move higher and higher, you become like God and leave the earth behind. But that's not, that's not how God designed us, nor is it the relationship God desired for us to have with the world. You know, some folks take it, you know, in, in times past, had this notion that 
um, because people had dark skin like me that we were closer to the earth and thus we were bad while lighter skinned people especially white people their lightness reflected the brightness of the sun and therefore they were closer to God and good but yet we're confronted with scripture like in scriptures like in Psalms 24 that says the earth is the Lord's and its fullness we have got to get to this point that we we stop nonsensical thinking uh, to support elitism and disadvantaging and discriminating and making those words equal with the words of God when they're not. We've got to stop the nonsense of thinking that we can only speak of God outside of our current context. That's not possible. You see, we don't live in the Old Testament. We don't live in Jesus' times. And the inbreaking of the kingdom of God is not going to turn the clock back. And so we have some magical experience like the, the, the Gospels wrote of. We are living now in our context. And we have this opportunity, this unique opportunity, our opportunity of our times to participate in the inbreaking of the kingdom here and now. God is relevant here and now. God knows what it is to be relevant. You see, God in God's, in God's context, it's always now. Time was invented for us, not for God. We are bound by time. God is not. So we have the American dream, going back, based on the American ideal of equal opportunity for all. And we know, we know that's not really a thing. I mean, in truth, right? It's not a thing in our country. It has never been a thing in our country. It's just one of those notions that support what we studied in the beginning in that white innocence. And yet the idea of equal opportunity and equal empowerment for each member of the body of Christ so we each can fulfill our calling and our assignments is scriptural. It is in the Bible. We require this, this equal opportunity, this equal empowerment by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the aspiration of God for humanity. So, to hold a position, whether consciously or unconsciously, subconsciously, which limits the opportunities for others to take, it, it, it limits the, part, the opportunity for others, is to take a position that is contrary to God. We don't want to see it as that deep, but it is. So, so I, I'm going to throw this out here. Um, I hope I don't regret it, but I'm going to do me. Um, back in the uh, 90s and the early 2000s, uh, we spent a lot of time as a religious community talking about the rise of the one being who would be the Antichrist, right? We had books like Left Behind, and they were great reads. I don't know, you know, necessarily accurate, but 
they were these two white guys depiction of end times right and then a whole series of books for kids which were better than the, the ones for the adults um, in terms of reading and and uh, taking it as fiction and not so seriously as this is exactly what's going to happen um, but you know, we had those books, um, and, and it generated a bunch of, you know, uh, apocalyptic book, other books and movies and things. We were looking for the Antichrist. And most of that came because of our misunderstandings of um, the apocalyptic books and texts in Scripture, the, and the misunderstanding of, of Daniel and Revelations. And, and we combine that with our American uh, or church elitism. And we, got, we get that kind of stuff. As we grow in our understanding of what it means to be one humanity in unity, we come to understand that it isn't just about one person, a person. It's about a unity of mindset that is set against God's aspirations for God's creation, God's aspiration for humanity to love God and to love itself. So, we can't play that innocence game. We can't play like, oh, it's the Antichrist who will cause harm to the people of the world. But I won't do that because I'm a Christian. Sometimes I've been more afraid of, uh, of white Christians than anybody else walking the face of the earth. The history of white Christianity is um, Wow. There's a lot of not good in there. So please understand that um, I know, we know, and we see so many of our white brothers and our white siblings striving to be white without embracing whiteness. And that's a great thing. That's a good thing. We are all a work in progress. But we have to understand that we participate in doing things that are contrary to God, that are anti the living Christ. And we participate in that. And we have to turn away from it. So we can't play the innocence game. Nobody can actually. Folks of color, we got a bunch of shady stuff in our histories too. Nobody can play that game, right? But here in America, we can't play that game, that innocence game. Because the innocence game leads to the blame game. You see, they go hand in hand. American innocence and blaming those who are categorized as other. So we have American innocence and the commitment to the American ideal of, you know, equal opportunity. But when folks Everybody participates in this to a certain degree, but particularly white folks experience the reality that this isn't actually a thing. Equal opportunity for all. It's not really real. There's a struggle. 
And it's hard to accept that, uh, that there's not equality for all. It's been drummed into people's heads, you know, from being young people in school and church and church and school and life and communities and because it's America after all. And there's a, a belief that people's opportunity, when there's a belief that people's opportunity is limited, because this is America, it must be someone's fault because America is wide open with opportunity. Someone must be standing in the way. America is for Americans, you know, so we have to maintain the ideal of equal opportunity. So it must be someone else's fault when I'm not able to participate in opportunity. And um, I know, for me, it doesn't make sense that you would look for, it's, you don't question the ideal, and if the ideal is actually something that happens, you find someone to blame. It, 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 no, it doesn't necessarily make sense. But you talk to your family, I talk to my family, and uh, we know what members of our family say, we know what they think. Uh, it, this is not something that, you know, just uh, is true and, and, and is organic. This is a weed in our society. It's planted in our understanding or lack of understanding of our faith concerning what it means to be human. It's risen because of this innocence and blame game that, that turns things into an us and them situation and maintains this notion of us and them. It continues because people who want to be in positions of power over others and not with others, that a politic of, of us and them, us innocents, them bad people, blame the, the people who the blame should be placed upon rises up. It continues because the people of God, as people of God, we strive to live Listen, we strive to live in the aspirations created by our context instead of striving to live God's aspirations in our context. I want to be successful. You want to be successful and to have things and, you know, to, to assume, you know, uh, a house, a car, a family, to have political influence, to have economic influence. Those are the aspirations of our context. But the aspirations of God should be lived into our context and not the reverse. The aspirations of God is for us to be fruitful and multiply and fill the beautiful earth together. That's the aspiration of God, together, like God. The kingdom of God breaks in when we live out God's aspirations in our context. So when we don't truly want to live out God's aspirations in our context, as crazy and contrary to God's ways as our context might be, we twist the words of God and make them say things that we want them to say to help justify us, a grow, uh, us grabbing hold of 
of aspirations created by our context instead of the aspirations of God in our context. This is the challenge we face today. It is a similar challenge to the challenge the people of Israel and Judah faced in the book of Amos. And so we're going to bring our times together with the book of Amos for chat. We're going to explore why God called this not prophet. Amos was a, a, a shepherd. Amos, he wasn't a prophet. He didn't wasn't raised in one of those guilds and wasn't participating in those guilds. Um, God called him to this temporary role of prophet to deliver this incredible word. We're going to explore what the issues were that caused God to judge Israel. And I mean judge with a big J. As in, you have been found lacking and this is what's going to happen to you. If I was on the other side with Israel, it would be, and this is what God said is going to happen to us. Us. And as we read Amos's words, or the words God gave to Amos, they can serve as a warning and instruction to us. We're all going, also going to explore how this us and them zero sum this if 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 um, they're doing better, that means we're doing worse. If we're doing better, they're doing bad, kind of thing. It's a game. We're gonna we're gonna talk about how this zero us them zero sum game is actually harming all of us, all of us. Black, white, green, gold, gay, straight, cisgendered not non-binary, rich, poor, athletic, not athletic, whatever. It's hurting all of us, everybody. And so we're going to take some time in the study of Amos to look at what's happening. And we're going to study our times to look at how Everyone was harmed. And for Amos' time in Israel, it brought judgment and Israel ceased to exist. The northern kingdom ceased to exist, swallowed up by Assyria. And Judah continued. But those lessons are there. The lessons are there for us. If we are willing to listen. If we have ears to hear and eyes to see. We're going to talk about solidarity. We all gain or we all fail together. Um, included within it is this notion, uh, uh, is, is an understanding that we and I, we just can't save ourselves. That saying that sinner's prayer just for ourselves, you know, that, that felt, I mean, it felt like the get out of jail card free forever for so long. And uh, I'm not saying that it's not important. I'm not saying that Asking God to forgive us and turning, repenting and turning toward God is not a needed thing. It is. But this is the story. The Bible, God's word, is a story of God and us. And so salvation is a communal thing as well. We're saved into 
into a family. We're saved into a body. We're saved into a community, the church. We are the children of God. It's not about a destination. It's about being part of us. Now we are the children of God. And we shall be like Him. It's taken from 1 John 3, verse 2. We shall be like Him in that Jesus was so connected to His community that He lived through them and lives through them. Or should I say that Jesus was, was and is so connected to Jesus' communities. Jesus is connected to the Trinity and lives through the Trinity. Jesus is connected to humanity and lives through us. And we shall be like Him. We'll find our place with us, with one another, and live in a unity that causes us to grow and be just like Him. And then, as we are living like Him, we will see Jesus. We will see Him as He is. Part of, connected to others. It doesn't make, it ceases for them to be the other and we become us, the sum of us. I hope that you stay, um, well, let me say this first. I hope that the way I say these things challenges you to run to the scriptures and check out what I'm saying and see if it's a correct, invalid uh, interpretation of scripture. I want you to run there. Um, so, uh, so I tell you the scriptures things come from. There's a lot uh, that I have planned for us. Um, this is merely the beginning of an introduction where I lay out a few of the underpinnings of why I want to do this, why I'm doing this, and the thoughts behind it. Uh, they're called warrants, not like court warrants, but again, underpinnings for why I'm saying the things I'm saying so we can be on the same page. And so there, there's a lot planned, and I hope you come back and participate uh, in the services whether we be online or in person as we keep moving forward and embracing God's aspiration for our community. I want to share with you the, the claim I'm making in the overall series, The Some of Us. I say this, understanding what the us-them zero-sum game is and how it's played will enable us to consciously, practically, prayerfully, and prophetically change. Change the focus within us and help change the focus within our community. From that zero sum to the incredible gift and power God has given us in the sum of us. Be blessed, and I'll see you next week.
Stop the Lord Almighty. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? 
stop the Lord Almighty? Who can 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 stop the Lord? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For the sins of the world, His blood breaks the chains. Every knee before the lion and the lamb, oh, every knee will bow before him. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the Maker. And I give it all to you, God, trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. And I I hold on to. It's nothing I hold on. 
participated yesterday in our garden day and in the clean out for the multi-purpose space so we can get it ready for that renovation. I am so excited. We're going to get that kitchen in place. We're going to redo that room. It's going to be a place where adult and child will want to hang out. It'll be a gift to the community and that people can have weddings and, and bridal and uh, sh bridal showers, baby showers. Guys can come together for the Super Bowl or whatever. It, it's going to be a gathering place for us and for our community. And so thank you for participating. There are other opportunities as we go further in the renovation for people to get involved. And we want you to be there. This is us. This is the place God has given us. We want to take care of it. We want to dream for it. And we want to open it up to share with our wider community. So thank you for coming out and getting dirty and uh, laughing with us and just having a good time. Um, watch your newsletter. Watch Facebook. Watch our website as we list out the other opportunities that are coming. And please say yes, even if you only have like 30 minutes to give when something, opportunity is extended. We need to see each other again and, 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 and be close again. So this is an opportunity for all of that too. So God bless you um, and thank you. To close today, I wanted to read these verses from uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through seven uh, to remind us of what God is like. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. May you be filled with love this week, and may you be loved this week to those around you. Amen.